Van D, a dynamic leader with decades of experience building companies and crushing sales. He's been there and done that. Ladies and gentlemen, hello. My name is Van D. Inspiring audiences across the country to do it too. Here's Van. Welcome to the Van D podcast, everybody. Man, am I fired up today. I've got one of the best guests I could ever ask for because we're going to talk about effective leadership and nobody better to have with me than Jennifer Brassi. Jennifer, welcome to my podcast. Thanks for having me, Van. Excited to be here. You bet. Well, before I start asking you questions, I want to brag about you a little bit. Is that okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell my audience about you a little bit, Jennifer. So, Jennifer joined Northwestern Mutual in 1990. She has over 30 years of leadership experience at Northwestern Mutual. And she is with Northwestern Mutual Nebraska with a diverse background and an array of industry knowledge. Jennifer got her start in Lincoln, Nebraska, just right up the road. As director of training and development, went on to establish a track record for recruiting and development developing advisors. She built out a top five field director unit and a top 10 college program in Indianapolis, where she served as chief development officer, and in Kansas City, where she led as managing partner. Jennifer brings a wealth of experience leading and supporting advisors at all stages, many of whom have gone on to achieve the industry's top honors or have become accomplished leaders. And on June 1st of this year, Jennifer was appointed managing partner for Northwestern Mutual Nebraska. That's huge. As the managing partner, she is responsible for all sales, service, and supervisory operations. She creates the vision for long-term growth and set priorities for the office. She partners with a wide range of financial service experts who provide financial services to their clients. She is also responsible for attracting new advisors to the firm who are ready for financial independence. And hopefully they're listening today and they're going to want to join your firm. And people who want to be their own boss and make a positive impact on people's lives. My gosh, Jennifer, I could go on and on and on about your accomplishments, but I'm just glad you're here today. Thank you. So on my podcast, Jennifer, we'd like to talk about ways to help business people become better. And, you know, when you become better in your business life, I really believe that it trickles down to your personal life and everything becomes so much more productive. And so here's one thing I want to ask you. You know, I've, I've talked to several um, financial advisors in my career and, and there's there's so many people in in sales in the service industry but let me ask you what what advice would you give to other people in leadership or in sales or in service gosh um you you led me right into it i think when i <laughs> when i think about leadership i think Taking away that feeling that leaders is a title, and to your point, and you've been in real real estate, right? Like leading, we're leading from whatever position we're in. So when you're in sales, or if I'll look at financial services, our advisors are leading with their clients. Mm -hmm. 
So making sure they're doing what their responsibility is to listen and understand what your goals and objectives are and to put a plan in place for you and make sure they're doing the right thing on behalf of you with the products they put in place. So I, I look at that as that's a leadership responsibility right there. Uh, you know, that's a really good point is, you know, it's not a title. Everybody that works at Northwestern Mutual and everybody in sales and service, really, it's their leadership, what they're doing with their clients that's going to make or break the deal. Mm-hmm. And so they're responsible just like somebody managing all the people that you're managing. Right. And I think that that's pretty, I mean, that's that's something that I think is a huge benefit for people that work with you is you give them that ability to be leaders and you want them to be independently thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps people become better at service and sales when they have that ability. Right, right. So... I'm a big fan of, of not micromanaging salespeople. My last company, Deeb Realty, which is now Nebraska Realty, I had 350 people and, and uh, not close to what you manage. But, you know, I, I pride myself on letting them be the best they can be and not micromanaging them. And I think that that is also a characteristic of effective leadership. And wouldn't you say the same thing with your people? Oh, absolutely. And I I feel that it's my responsibility to put myself in their shoes. Mm-hmm. And what do they need from me to help them be mm-hmm. most effective? But they're really good at what they do without me. So I'm there when they need me. Well, and then that's when you turn into somebody that guides them. Mm-hmm. We become, you know people that guide and lead that way also. So one of the, you know, the things that I always... Im- I always emphasize to people in positions where they have, you know, they have the responsibilities to lead is don't be afraid to make mistakes and don't be afraid to let the people know that you're uh, quarterbacking, that you've made mistakes. And I tried to do that as much as I can. And as I reflect back in my past and in business, I would do a whole lot of things different. And I think the number one thing I would do different is, is not expect people to do it just like I would do it. I don't know if you ever had that issue in your career where you're like, man, the way I do things is so great. I want my people to do it just like I do. Did you ever have that feeling at all? Yeah, I feel like I'm going to date myself now in that because <laughs> yeah. that's probably what I did early on. And I, and I would make hiring decisions based on who's like me, who's going to be easiest for me, who's going to think like me. And as I got older and more experience, that's probably a better way to put it, <laughs> is um, you, you start to realize that I'm going to be better if the team is better. So putting people around me that think differently, challenge me, aren't going to do it the way I would do it, the combination of that conversation is going to get us to a better solution. Yeah, I, that's a very strong point. And I also believe that it's the trickle-down effect, too, is, you know, if, like, when there's there's companies that I do some consulting with that um, that I'm really I'm really not that impressed with the leadership and it's my job to to tell them what my thoughts are I'm I'm not supposed to have a filter when I do consulting and so I just kind of I have to say that's what they hire me for <laughs> but it's really something is when you see employees with a certain behavior um, and then you visit with their supervisor 
or their manager or the owner of the company, and they're the exact same way. You can see where they get that from. So we, even though each individual can lead in their own with their clients, they need people like us. They need people like you for direction. They need to, uh, to emulate what you're doing and because it works or else you wouldn't be in the position that you're in. Yeah, I'm going to go back to something you said and tie it to that. You, you mentioned leaders today need to be vulnerable. Um, and I look at the changing business world, not just at Northwestern Mutual, right, but companies are using kind of a buzzword, transformation. So we're, transforma- we're trans- transforming. Right. We need to lead through change. And I think we were saying those things even before the pandemic, and that pandemic has only accelerated that need to be able to lead and navigate change which I think requires us as leaders to say, okay, I need to be vulnerable and think about how am I processing this change and how do I need to lead in it? So I think it starts with us being vulnerable about, okay, I'm going to navigate something that's new for all of us. I have to deal with how I process that and then figure out how I'm going to bring other people along in it. Well, I think that that, you know, that's another strong point is, but you know, in order to be effective that way, we have to constantly take a, take a look at the way we do business. I know when I would walk into a meeting and I had all this, you know, all of these bullets of what I want to accomplish in my meeting and we maybe we have some new strategies to accomplish this or that. One person in the meeting, um, if it's somebody that's, even, that's a secretary or admin, and they make a suggestion, because I would ask for it, it's... It's empowering to be able to say, you know what, I like your way better. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a responsibility of a characteristic of a leader to be able to be open and not just come in a room and say, I'm the boss, I'm the director, this is the way we're going to do it. And I'm only speaking that of this experience because I I wasn't always that guy. I was I was not the person that was open to it until I learned from my failures, you know, and what I wanted to be instead of what I was being. Mm -hmm. And I think us as leaders, I mean, people really look up to us, you know, my company, we didn't have better software. We didn't have a better office building. People were attracted to work with us because they liked the way we think and they liked the way that we treat people. And I know that at Northwestern Mutual, I mean, people aren't there just because of all of the tools that you have to help the clients. People like people like where they work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple things in there that somebody said this to me early on about how um, you have no idea the impact you have on others. So it's basically people are watching you all the time. And as a leader, you need to recognize that and then own the culture that you're creating. Is it a culture where people are really good at building relationships, right? Because people are going to buy from people. People are going to buy from people they trust in our businesses. And what culture, what values do we have as a firm that attracts talent and keeps talent in your organization? And one of the things that I tried to instill in in my people is, you know, if we use – the Walt Disney, I always quote him, I've been quoting him forever, is he, you know, he says he wanted to make people coming to Disney World or Disneyland, their experience so magical that they wanted to come back and see it again and again and again. Well, I used to emphasize that, and I still do today, because that's really what it's all about. We want the customer's experience 
to be so great that they not only want to continue to do business with us throughout our whole life, but they they love the experience so much that they're going to go out of their way in a conversation to brag about the services that you gave them. Instead, you know, it, it was my goal um, not to have somebody bring me up just in a real estate conversation. I wanted them to be so thrilled that they created the conversation and put my name in it. And I know that you feel... You feel that same way, but I think that's something as leaders that we're responsible to make sure that our people know that that does exist and that can happen. So I think we're supposed to give them hope and confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're. I, I'm smiling at you because I'm thinking about how much time we invest with new advisors around the importance of the relationship, what you do matters. Our clients buy from us seven to 10 more times, but they're only going to do that if they trust you and you're doing the right thing for them. And then how are you bringing value to them above and beyond what you're doing in the sales process? Yep. And I think trust is the key word, you know, and so going back to my career, which that's, that's all I can base things off is, you know, my experience today and from the very beginning, I got in straight commission at 23. So if I didn't sell something, I didn't eat. And I came from a family, a teacher, so I, I didn't have any mentors. I had mentors of how, to, of how to be loved and to love people, but not how to do business. And um, so we, we constantly are our own, you know, uh, critiquing ourselves to become better at what we do. So let me ask you, Jennifer, how do you invest in your own growth? Um. It's a constant, and and I think you know there's a there's that saying green and growing, ripe and rotting, and I feel like you know that like I would kind of laugh at that or okay I've heard this before, but now after thirty years, I find that every week we've get I get a podcast on Mondays that gets my phone dings at one thirty. It's a thirty minute leadership thing that I'm going to read um, on something, mm-hmm. and every time I read it. I can apply it to something that just happened in the business or at home, to your point, mm-hmm. in the past week. So that shows me how I'm making those connections. Um, but my other big investment is I have a coach. So as the managing partner, I have a responsibility to lead the culture, and I want help on where am I screwing up? Here's my biggest challenge. What do we need to be working on? How do we continue to make this team more effective? I think that... I think the responsibilities, like you just said, investing in your own growth by having a coach, because that just makes you makes you better, makes the whole company better. But I think that um, um, we should be open to constantly reinventing ourselves. I think it makes you know, like I don't know what you just said. The ripe is I'm 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 not going to repeat it correctly, but <laughs> that's okay. But I got the point about being you know to me. That says that we can get caught up in our own way and, you know, we can just be stagnant and not trying to improve because we've been doing it for 30, 40 years. But I think that we have to constantly evolve. I know that I, I'm trying to reinvent myself because I want to make my life exciting. I don't want to be one of these guys that say, yeah, you know, I've been in real estate for 40 years and being a public speaker and a motivational speaker for the last 25. I want to be, I want to learn something new every day. And I learned from people, it's amazing when you open your mind as a leader and as, and as a director, when you open your mind to say, when I sit down with this person, they may be their first year in this business. I am going to learn something from them because we can take that and benefit everybody. 
So I think it's a mindset, and it makes our careers more fun and exciting. Right. You know? um, yeah. I, in, in, in my background, I spent the past eight years in diversity and inclusion, and the thing I learned from, well, I learned a lot, um, but one thing was being curious, right? So you're, you continue to grow if you're curious. I want to know what it's like to walk in your shoes, Exactly. I'm curious. And that's a Fortune 100 company. You were a, you led a diversity inclusion team, an inclusion team. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And to me, I look back on that as probably one of the biggest growth opportunities for me as a leader was to recognize not everybody saw the world the way I did. Um, to understand how I was going to, you were talking earlier about coaching and motivating people who are different. Not everybody's coached or motivated the same way. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm simplifying that work right now, but I think that there was a lot that taught me how to be a better leader because I knew because I had to learn how to lead across difference. Mm -hmm. I think that when you have that ability, um, I think you have the responsibility. And, you know, your background with being um, leading uh, diversity and inclusion for Fortune 100 company that's got to be huge in helping you lead northwestern mutual right now i'm it, not, not going to regret the the time in that role because yeah. i see it now like okay what did i learn here that is applying to the situation here mm -hmm. that helps me here's one of the main things and this goes out to the financial advisors at northwestern mutual too is is we make phone calls to get people to do business with us. We send emails, we send texts, and we send phone calls. And we do phone calls. And we get no a lot. Well, what are we doing about that no? And, you know, salespeople just get rejected constantly. And if you're, if you're really wanting to excel, you're going to analyze why. So I just want to tell you something that I did, and I hope the people at Northwestern Mutual may be able to benefit from this as well, is... When I first got in real estate at 23 years old, the broker I had told me, if this person won't do business with you, just forget about him and move on. Leave him alone. So I'm like, I'm, I've got a PhD in common sense. Um, and that's about it as far as the PhD goes. <laughs> I just gave myself that title. But so to me, I'm like, yeah, but what, what is going to, I mean, how is that going to benefit me not not knowing why he didn't do, why the person didn't do business with me. So I'm going to give you an example. So I go over to somebody's house on a Sunday and sit down with the couple, and um, they're going to list their house. They're going to make a They're interviewing three people, and they're going to make a decision on Thursday, and today's Sunday. So I, they said, yeah, we'll call you on Thursday. Well, I'm not going to wait for them to call me. So Thursday morning, I'm calling them and said, hey, Mr. Jones, you said you were going to pick your listing agent on. Uh, today, I just wanted to give you a call and see who you chose and and hopefully it's me and he said well we're going to go with Susie and I said oh I'm sure she'll do a great job for you and uh, but I'll tell you what I left your house that day picturing a sold sign in your front yard and your house was part of my goals for this year you know what Mr. Jones I've got a pad and a pen with me right now can you tell me what I did wrong and why I didn't earn your business and I don't know anybody doing that today I've never had anybody call me to ask me to do business, and I say no, and they say this. Well, let me tell you something. When you say, can you tell me what I did wrong? I mean, be vulnerable. Why not? Right. You just lost a deal. Why not try to, try to get it? You always hear a pause, and they've got to think, well, and in my world, 
the most common rejection is, Susie said she could get 50000 more than you did. So then I get it. It's an objection. So what's my job? Overcome objections. That's what salespeople do. If we don't, then we shouldn't be in sales. I said, well, gosh, Mr. Jones, or maybe it's not Mr. Jones. Maybe it's another Mr. by now. No, I said, gosh, Mr. Jones, um, it, we use, Susie and I use the exact same market data. And it, it's, the market is suggesting that this is what you price the house at. And I said, one thing you can count on me is you can trust me. I'm going to be honest with you. So you're not going to call me in two weeks. I mean, you're not going to have a conversation with me in two weeks. I'm going to say, hey, Mr. Jones, the market's not accepting our price. Maybe we should drop at 50 grand. I'm not going to do that to you. And I said, so I would really, really emphasize, give me another opportunity. And I can't tell you how many times by saying, what did I do wrong? What could I could have, what, what should I have done to earn your business? It, it opened doors and I didn't lose the deal. But if we don't know what we're doing wrong, then how are we going to get better? And I think as leaders like you, we need to have the people around us and the people that work with us know it's okay to ask somebody, why don't you do business with me? What do I have to do? You know what I mean? Right. I, I want someone like that. You know what that tells me? They're going to fight for me. Right. They're going to fight for my financial outlook, for my financial plan for the future. They're not just going to be an order taker and accept no. Yeah, I think in your, well, first of all, you're right. In our business, our advisors get told no all the time. So part of our job is to coach them around positive mindset. <laughs> But right. then I think what you're talking about is that next step, which is not only be vulnerable, but have the courage to, to go back and ask. Because you're right, that's going to make such an amazing impression Yes, in most cases on the other individual that you're asking for feedback. Yeah. And people want to see the real person. Mm -hmm. Now, confidence is everything. I mean, confidence is king. It just is. And you can't expect somebody that just got in any business to be Johnny confident. You just can't. I wasn't. Oh. I mean, I was scared out of my gourd. I'd walk into a home and I was like, like Tommy boy, um, would you buy this meat? Nope. Okay, okay, then. Have a nice day. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to get out of there. I mean, I was like, unfortunately, you don't get paid for not getting the deal. So there's no, <laughs> there's no benefit to that attitude. So you've got to constantly analyze. If I'm a financial advisor, if I'm a salesperson or a service and we're all in that category somewhere, even leaders are sales and service, we all are, I'm going to get a piece of paper and a pen and I'm going to write at the top, what can I do to be different? What can I do to show the real me? You know what I mean? And be different, not like the same real estate agent, not like the same financial advisor. You know, we want unique. We want somebody to be different, you know. Maybe not as nuts as me quoting Anchorman and Tommy Boy and Talligator Nights. I'll probably turn a lot of people off that don't like silly humor, but that's who I am. I was so happy to see you today because I love that humor too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think being authentic, plus I think it makes it easier. If you can give yourself permission to be authentic, right. it's going to be easier for you to to do the sales training that we teach people to do. And, you know, one of the things, uh, Jennifer, that I really love when I met you for the first time is, is I could tell within two seconds 
of talking to you that you're passionate about Northwestern Mutual. You could just tell that this is not a job to you. This is a passion for you. And um, I, I'm, I'm sure all the people that work with you are very blessed and fortunate to have you as their leader. Well, thank you. Yes, I've been here a long time, and I've been able to grow and develop because of my time with Northwestern Mutual. So I'm, I'm forever grateful for the company I work with. So in wrapping up the, the podcast, is there any final words you want to say of encouragement or empowerment or inspiration yeah. that you'd like to say besides telling everybody on this podcast to find an advisor at Northwestern Mutual and get going? I guess, thank get you. signed up. Thank you for doing that for me. <laughs> I would just say leadership's a journey and be curious and have fun. Well, I, I like the way you think. I think we're both like-minded. And um, Once again, congratulations. I know a lot of people with Northwestern Mutual, and they just love that company. And, and it's because of leaders like you that make it a great place to work. And So, everybody, I'm glad you tuned in today. And uh, I'm so grateful for my, for my guest today, Jennifer. And I'm, uh, I wish you the very best and a great career moving forward. And I hope you don't leave Nebraska. I won't. I'm here to stay. Thank you. Good. I hope so. And thank you for tuning into the Van D podcast. And please remember to share this podcast with somebody you know that could use a little uh, inspiration or some motivation or just to learn a little bit more about Jennifer. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Until the next time, thank you for tuning in. Ahura Media Production.